to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today I talk with Victor DeVita. Victor is an illustrator, designer, and professor of design at the University of Central Florida. We talk about teaching, AIGA, giant illustrators, and more, all right after this. Are you ready for an adventure? Then get your Creative South Adventure ticket today. This is the ticket for you. It's a full day of adventure that includes catered breakfast of the National Infantry Museum, with a tour following a bike tour down the river walk on the Chattahoochee, catered lunch at the Civil War Naval Museum with a tour after that, finishing your bike ride at the zip line that crosses over the river to the high ropes course, whitewater rafting down the largest urban whitewater course in the world, ending with a wild game dinner at Epic with s'mores by, a fi- by fire on an island. That's all Tuesday, April 4th. This also includes an invite to the VIP dinner Wednesday night, as well as everything that comes with the regular ticket. A full vacation and an adventure in one day. Are you ready? We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South Podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else. Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So, please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Victor, thank you for joining me this morning. It's a pleasure being here. So why don't we start off with the uh, early formative years. Where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Orlando, Florida. I was born in Puerto Rico. And then I I came when I was three. And then I've been uh, in the Orlando area all my life. So um, I went to school here, uh, grade school. I went to the University of Central Florida. So this is kind of where I've, I've, I've lived most of my life. Okay. So when you were growing up, were you an artsy kid or were you a little more jockey? <laughs> no, nah, I was I was like the, the complete opposite of jockey. Um, I wrestled in <laughs> high school, if, if you can okay. believe that. That's as far as, as my jock days would take me. And I played soccer in kindergarten. Um, otherwise, I was... I think everyone played soccer in kindergarten. I, I think, think you have to. I think it's a law. It's a state law yeah. somewhere. Um but otherwise, I was always drawing. I had my nose buried in comic books, mm-hmm. um, you know, watching cartoons and that kind of thing. So I've always been the artsier kind of dr- the person who drew all the time. Sure. So when you were going through high school, were you taking art classes as well? or I was. There was um, my, my parents were very good about that. My parents were very good at supporting anything I ever did. So um, they would enroll me in, in art classes in, in local art um we have a museum of art we have the maitland art center so they had art classes mm-hmm. here so our, our creole day art center so my parents would would enroll me in things like that and i would always take the art classes in in um throughout school until i was in high school and then i was in the yearbook staff and that kind of thing gotcha 
So is that where you first discovered design? I think so. I, th- I think that's why I first um, implemented design, where I started working in design. Yeah. <laughs> and back then it wasn't computers. It was still like the cut paper, you know, like the, the layout thing. So the layout. Nice. So it was, oh, it was, I remember those days. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. When you get out of college or when you get out of high school, do you go to college right away or do you take a few years to find yourself? No, I, I went to college straight away. Um, I was actually enrolled in animation. And oh, wow. um, that's where I thought I would. I, I thought someday I would eventually be like a Disney animator or Warner Brothers animator or something to that effect. That was my trajectory. Um, unfortunately, the first couple of years I screwed around in college and my grades weren't up to par for, for the film department, which were was anim, where animation was back then. And um, I, that's, I find that's better than me. My, my grades in my first year of college were not up for college. Um, and they asked me to uh, take a break, which turned into being extended. Right. They asked you to take a break. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, they asked. And <laughs> it was strongly suggested. Right. <laughs> no, they kept me there. And they, I just kept kind of kept going and trying until eventually um, I realized that um, – I discovered design as a possible career in that point and, um, and the rest, it kind of, it kind of attracted me and it stuck and and the rest is history. Um, Gotcha. So when you were going through college, you're taking all these design classes when you get out, do you, cause I know you're a professor, but when you talked at creative South, you kind of talked about how you got dragged into kicking and screaming a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. How how does that happen? (laughs) Well, I, I left, I, I graduated UCF and, um, and I, I went out and worked in the real world. I actually worked in um, in-house design areas. I actually worked for a contract over several months. I, I came back to animation. So um, I worked for a pilot that ended up being on on um, on VH1, which I don't know if any of my stuff ended up being aired, but it was the, at least the, the show I was working on uh, was on VH1. Um, and then I started working at the University of Central Florida back like in an in-house department. And um, as an employee, they give us like credits to, to take classes. And when they started offering the master's program, I was like, well, OK. Um, and I took it never actually thinking because when I graduated my, with my undergrad, I'm like, I'm done with school. I'm done with academia. I'm never, ever, ever going back. And mm-hmm. um, but when the master's program became a, the, that opportunity became available, I took it. And then uh, eventually I got a call from my former um, uh teacher um he's an amazing guy named chuck abraham asking if i would be interested because there was a position they needed a teacher and i said mm-hmm. yes and since then i've been teaching um in the graphic design department at the university of central florida and pretty much one of the most awesome gigs i can ever imagine so when you were getting your master's were you doing it with the intent of well i can teach with this or were you doing it just as a hey they're offering me free uh, master's program i can um know. It wasn't, Get a little extra. it wasn't totally free, but uh, it was like kind of like some free. Heavily, di- uh, heavily, heavily discounted. Yeah, heavily discounted. Um, I knew that that was an opportunity. That was the first inkling like I thought I might have that opportunity and, and I, I would go for it if I, if I could. Um, but it never was kind of like a sure thing. It was never like this is where I'm going to pursue from here on out. It just mm-hmm. presented itself and I kind of went for it. Okay. So you get done with your master's, your mm-hmm. former professor says, hey, we've got an opportunity here. Are you interested? Right. You know, a, a, a lot of schools, 
frown upon hiring former students. Yes. Especially for their first go around. How did that, how did that work out for you? Well, luckily I had taught a little bit. I kind of, um, after between my master's or, and the time that I was hired on at UCF, I was able to teach at a couple different places and kind of get my footing. So I, I, I taught at, um, at a local place here called Rollins college for a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some online teaching at the art Institute of Pittsburgh. Um, so that kind of got me going. Um, when, when they offered me the job at UCF there, yeah, there is that kind of like, he was just here, you know, he was one of us. He, 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 what do we do? But I think the time between the time that I graduated from my undergrad to the time that I tar- started teaching, there was enough of uh, professional development in there where it wasn't just me graduating and quickly going in. There was enough kind of um, real life, real world experience there that I think um, they saw that it was legitimate and helpful. Gotcha. So when you finally get into teaching as a full-time opportunity, how, how, how eye-opening was that for you? It's, it's trying to find the right words there. It was, you know, well, I should, I should backtrack to, to explain a little bit that one of the reasons I, um, I, I took the job, one of many reasons, one of the reasons I took the job is because I'm not overly comfortable, um, getting in front of people and speaking. It's something that I've always been kind of like. As I'm forcing you to do right, right? now. <laughs> well, this is more At least it's just the two of us. Yeah, so. this is more of a conversation. If there was like a group of people, if I had to stand up, then it'd be a different story. But it was something sure. I knew that I had to um, work on if I wanted to move ahead with my, my career. So I saw it as an opportunity to to help me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, my first semester, and the, I had a great class the first couple, you know, the first semester, um, there was a lot of nervousness. There was a lot of kind of like, I, right, what am I, what, what am I saying? What am I trying to do? The thing with teaching is that it gives you, it, it makes you really kind of take a look at yourself because the students ask you, how do you do this? How should I do, or how would you go about this? And it really makes you kind of reevaluate everything you're doing. Cause you're thinking, how do I do this? How do I have to explain <laughs> something that I've kind of done on, on autopilot in some ways, just second nature for the past 20 years, but now you have to kind of evaluate everything that I do so that I can explain why and how I do it to somebody else or to a group of 35 people or whatever. Um, so the students are, are, are great. They're energetic. You, you get a sense that they really want to learn. Um, and they make you think, all right, I got to step up my game. If, cause some of these students are so amazing that you're just like, all right, this, this kid's going to, this student, he, she is going to knock it out of the park. I have to step up my game because mm-hmm. I want to be able to, to, uh, you know, to at least inspire them or encourage them or, or help them in some way. So I have to reevaluate everything I'm doing so I can help them out. Sure. So when you get in a situation where you have those students who are so much more advanced, um, how do you teach them? I mean, how, how do you reevaluate that when there's, because I'm sure there's kids that have come through where you're just like, well, they're leaps and bounds technique-wise right. than where I am. How do, how do you teach them to expand on that? It's funny because I think I mentioned this in that panel last year at Creative South that it's teaching comes with a, a lot of different hats. Sometimes you're like they're drill sergeant. You just have to kind of crack that whip and make sure that you, that you push them as far as they can go. Because some sure. of the, sometimes the students don't know 
how far they can go or, or they, they lack the confidence to be able to, 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 to know what to do or, or to do what they should do. So sometimes it's a little bit um, drill instructor. Sometimes it's a little bit of psychologist just hearing what they, they're going through. And, and it's funny because sometimes um, where I'm wearing the psychology hat, all I do is listen and they start with a, with a question and they don't even let me speak. But by the time of the conversation, they figure out what they have to do. <laughs> and then they thank me. I'm like, I didn't say anything. It was all you. Um, but then the students that you're talking about, sometimes it's just kind of like getting out of their way in some ways and just mm-hmm. letting them flourish as much as they can, try to help them when they need to, try to point them in directions or connect them with people that they don't know, but you might. Um, so it's a little bit of drill instructor. Sometimes it's a cheerleader. Sometimes that's, mm-hmm. I'm trying to cheer them launch. Um, but it's, you know, sometimes it's just getting out of their way to, to help them get to where they need to go. And I've had several like that. Sure. What are the challenges that come from, you know, essentially you're managing in those situations, you're managing different personalities as well. What are the challenges as a teacher that comes from that? Yeah, I think that goes with any large group. I think if you're, you're, uh, if right now our classrooms are roughly like 35 students, anywhere from like Mm -hmm. 20 to 35 students, and you're going to have all sorts of personalities from the extroverts to the introverts. I think it's just having a good understanding of what the student is going through or how the student personality is. And sometimes I don't know. Sometimes um, it takes a, a while to get to know that student before you kind of figure out exactly the best way to to encourage them or to work with them. Um, I encourage the students to come see me as much as they can for that one on one conversation. Um, because sometimes things get lost when you're trying to speak with a large group of people that they might not understand. So sure. I think that one-on-one relationship is really becomes valuable, um, to that kind of thing, because you're right. It is so many different personalities and, um, the students learn in different ways too. Sometimes the students learn visually. Sometimes the students learn like they have to read it. So it's, it's trying to find the individual, um, what's best for the, that individual. Gotcha. So when you're, let's back up a little bit and kind of talk about what you're teaching right now. Um, some of the different courses and where that level ranges from of, you know, are you going from freshmen to seniors or are you kind of in the middle or only higher level? For the past few semesters, I've only taught the students that are in, that have gotten accepted into the graphic design department. So I teach, um, a junior class and I teach the seniors, um, I share a junior section. Um, the, the teacher that teaches the other junior section is, uh, Chad Cameron. So, be, um, between he and I, we, we, we talk a lot about the, the different trajectory or di- different planning, the curriculum, um, <clears throat> excuse me, of what the, uh, the curriculum should be. Before that, I taught, um, some illustration, some of the beginning illustration classes, and that was more of an open kind of um, field where I could have some sophomores or seniors and some design students, some studio art students, some game design students. So it's a little bit more Mm -hmm. open in that sense. But for the most part, for the past few years, I've I've mostly just taught the um, juniors and seniors in the graphic design program. Okay. And what what tracks does UCF offer? They're offering illustration, you said game design? Um, Yeah, there's... There's a, um, I don't know if you, illustration would necessarily be called a track, but we do have several illustration classes. Um, we do have game design. We have character animation. We have, I mean, it's 
the second largest university um, in the United States. So we have a um, a good amount of tracks, to, and <laughs> our department is is huge. Under the School of Visual Art and Design, we also have um, you know digital media and everything that falls underneath that. We have art and studio art. We have emerging media. We have film falls under us. So it's okay. it's a wide array of students um, that we offer just in our our school. Sure. So it's more than your average university, being that you know, like you said, you're the second largest. We're the second largest. You know, most universities that I've seen those. All those things that you mentioned are broken out into quite a few different departments. Yeah, well, there are different departments within the same school, but um, there is a lot of overlap, especially under the art side. Uh, maybe not so much the film side, but the art side. We do get a lot of, um, you know, the game design students would fall under digital media and that kind of thing in the animation. And there is some overlap on that sense. We also have a different department that isn't under the School of um, Visual Art Design, but we do get a lot of students um, with co-majors, dual majors of marketing and PR add PR mm. and then they come over and have a dual major of graphic design. That that's what I was. I was the marketing communications. Yeah. Well, technically that was my minor. Graphic design was my major. So I'm trying to remember how we structured it. Cause it was, I didn't, since I was a fine arts major, I didn't have minors. I had secondary studies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, just call it a minor. Where, <laughs> We're arguing semantics at this point. Where do you go to school? Uh, University of South Alabama, so where oh, okay. uh, Diane Gibbs teaches. Oh, okay, awesome. So uh, well before she talked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Diane's amazing. She's amazing. Yes, Diane and I are the same age, so it was right. well before she talked. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so when I was like when I was in college, we graphic design was in the fine arts department. Uh, well, it's still in the fine arts department, but it was the largest major there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had painting and um, sculpture and ceramics and art history that all kind of fell within the School of Fine Arts. Right. Um, but now that program has expanded out where it's, you know, there's a photography major and a couple other majors that have, I think they've got glass blowing as a major now. And oh, wow. The department's really expanded since I graduated almost... 20 years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll just mumble that. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> so it's, it's a, you know, it's a much bigger department. I, th I yeah. think graphic design is still the biggest major within the school. Though. Yeah, I think pretty much that's how it is in a lot of places. I know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure it is in ours as well. Um, but we do have photography, we do have printmaking and they're, then they do amazing work down there. Um, Sure. But uh, but yeah, I think ours is still probably one of the largest, if not the largest ones. Well, yeah, it makes it makes sense. It's a bit more employable than if you are a uh, fine artist painting major. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, I think I'm I'm thinking of the um, studio arts, but I don't know how many people are in the in the digital media side, so they might kind of be bigger than us as well. It's hard sure. to say. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's a. I mean, I know they teach some digital media classes at South Alabama. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that it's a full major there. Right. I think, excuse me, that still fall, falls under communications and right. possibly computer science. Oh, okay. Because, you know, of all the lovely politics that go on with universities. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I, I was the uh, student assistant when I was in college, and I just remember my professors bitching about all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I get a peek at it. So, um, but, but yeah, yeah. Now, now you get the behind the scenes of all of that. So. It's fun. <laughs> all the different committees that you get to serve on that nobody tells you about when you're going through and getting a degree to teach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of switching gears because sure. you, you mentioned this a while back that you were teaching a bunch of illustration classes mm-hmm. um tell me about giant 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 illustrators is something um that we founded in 07 now and it was a a it's just a collective of illustrators because what i found is i have a lot of friends who are illustrators and some of them are designers by day, illustrators by night, that kind of thing. Some of them are just full-time illustrators. Um, and by illustrators, I mean illustrators in the most kind of um, generalized kind of form because we also have like letter uh, letter designers, uh, letters in there. Um, mm-hmm. We have all sorts of animators in there as well. Um, and sometimes we, they would there would be some of us in there that would spend all day in front of a computer or a drawing board without speaking to anybody. So we created it as just kind of a, of a way to meet uh, once a month, kind of like commiserate, share ideas, share tips and tricks, just kind of show each other what we're doing and just become a, like a, a social aspect of meeting other people. And we have a really eclectic bunch. Like I said, we, um, we started in, in, so I guess we've been around for 10 years now. And the first couple of years, we did a few things. We did a book that we would send out and, you know, pool our, our resources together. We send a book that we send out um, to art directors and that kind of thing to generate jobs. Um, mm-hmm. We had an art show um, a few years ago that everybody had um, some work in showing the process. And it's this amazing, eclectic bunch that I can't believe I can count them as friends um, that meet once a month or so and um, and just get together and talk design and talk geekery really is what we talk about um, <laughs> of all sorts of all shapes and sizes. So it's, it's really, really great. Um, but we have a really eclectic bunch and there's a lot of really amazing illustrators that that come out every month and just share their ideas. Was there a specific thing that caused you to kind of get together with your friends and go, Hey, we should start this. Or was it just y'all had been kind of getting together and right. Like you said, commiserating to begin with. And there was, it was something that I was kind of looking to do for a while. Um, and because I had spending, I was spending so much time in grad school without work. I couldn't do it until after I graduated. Um, but it was something that we had been talking about. It was like, Hey, we should get together. We should do, a, uh, um, we, th- we should do things together. And there were other people doing similar things in different cities. Sure. Um, so, um, so we just decided to start one here and, and just kind of like pool our resources, like I mentioned. Um, but there is an artist named Larry Moore who, who I still geek over. He's a really cool guy now. Now I can count him as a friend. And I would joke that the reason I started the group is so I can formally meet him without being too geeky. Um, without being too <laughs> fanboyish, so so eventually. Why do you think I started a podcast? I know, I know right? So, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's easier. Suddenly, it's easier to talk to that person as opposed to like, "Hey, I like your work." And yeah. um, so we started that, and he started coming to to the stuff, and he turned out to be like uh, a really good friend. He's an amazing artist, um, illustrator here in town. I, actually, I don't think he's in town here anymore. He's he's traveling now, um, but he's just an, an amazing guy. So. Um, and then it turns out that I met 
so many other amazing artists and illustrators because because it started kind of like I would bring the people that I would know. And then sure. it turns out this person knows this person and then that person knows that person. So suddenly um, I'm meeting all these amazing people that I didn't know before or people start referring things. They start referring people to our group like somebody would move into town and say, hey, I'm looking for to meet other illustrators. And they would say, oh, you should get together, get together with the Giants. And um, and it went from there. So it's gotcha. really good. So month. when you're. You mentioned sending the book out. How, do, how does that work when you send the book out? Do you basically put together like a little portfolio of sample sections of each artist and send the book out to agencies and agents and things like that? And Pretty much. So we had um, we called ourselves giants. And um, the running joke is that we called ourselves giants because the first few of us were kind of like vertically challenged until Larry got into the group and then he was like the, the first six footer. Um, but, um, <laughs> so, you know, um, but yeah, the, the first few of us are just kind of like these guys. Um, you're about the same height as me. I know. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think, consider <laughs> myself that short. I don't either, but apparently everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, but the, the, we, we had this visual element of giant. So the first book, was trying to figure out exactly um, the interpretation of what giant would mean. So each of us had a spread and it was a, um, you know, just an illustration about a giant. Like, so I drew this kind of giant um, sea kid, for lack of a better word, playing with the other smaller kids. Um, mm -hmm. Chuck Abraham, who's in the group, also um, did an illustration referring to the um, to the Giants, the the ball club, the baseball club, uh, team, um, mm -hmm. and, and it kind of went from there. So it's just everybody had a visual prompt to start with, and we just did a book. Everybody had to spread. At that point, we had maybe twelve people, and um, and we put a book together and we sent it out that way. It was like maybe twelve. I guess you can't see what my fingers are doing, but about that size, <laughs> um, maybe eight by eight folded booklet, and mm -hmm. we and we shipped it we uh, to as many names as we could find. Gotcha. So when you're shipping stuff out like that, are you just, you know, picking up the graphic designer handbook? And Pretty much. The, the the one that you find at Barnes & Noble all the time that I always wonder if I should buy it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much exactly. I, I think I checked that out of the library and started going through the names. Or some people had um, recommendations of names that they wanted to to approach. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we just started sending it to as many companies. We tried to find the specific art director or creative director to send it through. And then we just pulled our money together and just mailed it all out. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's an amazing <laughs> group. I'm really proud of it. I'm, I'm really happy that it's still going on 10 years later. And, um, you know, and, and when we, sometimes I forget, sometimes I get so busy that I don't, schedule a meeting and and people are like texting me it's like hey are we going to do something this month are we going to are, are you going to do it are we going to set it up and um so the fact that people are are still asking me to do it or to put it together means that they're getting something out of it and they they crave that kind of thing and and um i've made a lot of really really good connections and really close friends and um you know, we, we give each other jobs, you know, because as you well know, the creative community is one of the most generous communities out there. So um, mm -hmm. so when somebody can't handle something or when somebody knows that they're going to um, they that somebody's looking for an illustrator or whatever, that's when like those friendships come in. Um, and and it's it's been great. And the same thing with AIGA. And it's like that kind of community is is, is amazing. So, gotcha. 
Well, since you mentioned AIGA, let's talk about your role with that and how okay. you got involved. All right. So um, I've been with on the board of the Orlando board of, um, of AIGA Orlando for since 11, so about five or six years now, I guess. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in some form of an, or another, um, helping with education, helping with, um, um, with programming and that kind of thing. I served as the co-education, uh, chair, uh, vice president. Now I'm co-president. Um, and, um, it's, again, it's, it's an amazing community. My co- other co-president is Devin Hornschmeyer, which you might've met at Creative South. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, we have a, a great community down here in Orlando and it's just, um, it's it's just an amazing family to work with. Gotcha. <clears throat> Excuse me. So how did you get involved with the AIGA in the first place? So at the time, um, the president was Sarah Blackshare, who's now Sarah Collins from Lure Design. Um, mm-hmm. And she called me up and asked me to join the board. And I, I swear, when, when, when that happened, I thought I was being called to the majors. It's just kind of like one of those things. It's just like... I was so excited to to be part of it, and um, it was just a phone call. She asked me if I wanted to be part of the board, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to be. That would, that would be amazing." And that was that. Um, ever since then, I haven't, you know, I, I've been on it the whole time. Gotcha. And what roles have you held while you've been there? Um, I started off as co-education. Um, then I went to vice president. There might have been one in between. I don't re- remember. And then, <laughs> and then, oh, it's so fluid in a way. Uh, and sure. then, and now I'm like co-president. And the reason I say it's so fluid because in a lot of ways, everybody on the board wears similar hats. You know, like we all help out in programming. We all help uh, put the things together. Um, so it's it's kind of just a fluid roles. So now, so I know that UCF has a pretty strong student chapter of yes. the IGA as well. Um, right. It's not cer- certainly a very vocal one. Yes. It's actually not a student chapter of AIGA. It's um, it's separate from AIGA. Um, oh, OK. I think a few years ago they tried to merge it with AIGA and create a student chapter. But for whatever reason, I'm not sure if it was it was before my time, but I'm not sure if it was because of the SGA, some sort of um, stipulation or something. They couldn't do it. But it's called the Graphic Design Student Association. Uh, okay. G- GDSA and and they're amazing. I serve as a student as the faculty advisor, and it's just an amazing group of students. They do such good work, and similar to AIGA in some ways, where they invite speakers, um, they organize the trips to Creative South um, for the past three years or so, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think it was be- because of G- uh, GDSA that a lot of us, the other people in Orlando, started finding out about certainly me started finding out about creative south and we went and then we've realized how how amazing it was but it, it they're they're a great group of students that um put take on a lot of extra work and do an amazing job sure so they're bringing in speakers on their own yes well. they bring a lot of okay. local speakers they do workshops they um they do portfolio reviews for underclassmen um they they do um, fundraisers and all sorts of things. Awesome. Yeah. So what, you know, kind of getting back to AIGA mm-hmm. with your roles, um, what's been the, you know, kind of most challenging aspect of that of, you know, because you're, you're balancing AIGA, giant, full-time job, family. Right. You know, what's what's been the biggest challenges within that? Creative Mornings. I'm also on the Creative Mornings team of Creative oh, Mornings geez. Orlando, okay. which is another well, great organization. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so the question was, what was the, uh, what was the question? What, what's the challenges of balancing all of those different things? A lot of uh, having a really understand, understanding spouse and family is like the key thing, just because she supports me in everything I do. Um, and just having good relationships with the team, I think, because, you know, when, when somebody, when you're doing something, you can't do it on your own and you need somebody to kind of like help you out and, and take up your slack when needed and you have to make yourself available to take up, to help them. And, and, and um, so just having a really strong um, team and family um, to help you through it. Um, the nice thing is that it's, 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 like I said, it's a generous community. So everybody kind of knows each other and knows when, when people need to step up and, and help out. Um, mm. so, but that's key. The key is understanding and having a support system. For, for people who are thinking into t- getting into joining groups like AIGA or creative mornings or things like that, mm-hmm. what, what advice can you offer them? Um, other than do it, <laughs> other than do it. So it's, it's, um, it's very time consuming in a lot of ways, but it's, it opens so many doors for you that you didn't realize that the doors even existed. Um, mm. I would say, just do it. Try to get, get yourself involved in whatever it is that you're, that you're thinking about doing. Um, I think it is stressful. It is a lot of work, but I think the benefits, the rewards that you reap are, are overshadow them so much. Um, but I would say just do it. Try to get yourself in it as much as possible. And, um, you know, start small if you can. Start, give yourself, contribute as much time as you're able to give. You know, it's mm-hmm. not to say that you have to join and suddenly you become the person that runs it or anything like that. Um, start small as much as you give. We have a community board and we, our chapter is um, kind of has a, a mentor chapter in some ways, which is r- the Raleigh chapter. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know Lenny Terenzi up there. I do. Um, we speak to him a lot because his chapter um, started community meetings, which helped us out and community boards, which helped us out as well. We kind of uh, emulate them. And a lot of the people in our chapter start off in the community boards and kind of work their way up if they can or if they want to. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say if you're not sure about it or you're not sure how much time you can contribute, start, start small and volunteer what you can and see how it goes. And maybe something that will lead from there. But um, but the the benefits of it just outweigh. It, it, there's just so much that I've gone from it, from from opportunities to 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 friends that I've made that I consider like family now. Sure. So I know with AIGA mm-hmm. here in Mobile, like Diane Gibbs and I were both um, on the founding board, um, and our terms just ended. Okay. Um, and and you know there, there's definitely challenges that come with starting it up, but it's yeah. Being able to build that community, especially here in Mobile, the creative community isn't much, hasn't been much of a community. There's tons of creative people out there. There's tons of designers out there, um, but nobody really kind of coalesces and gets together. Right. Um, so starting that AIGA really helped build that community where you didn't feel like you were sitting in a vacuum and right. you know, totally by yourself all day. Right. Lucky for me, I, I joined the chapter maybe 11 years after it started. So a lot sure. of that hard work was kind of made by, um, by other people, other groups, the, our founders. But um, we have it's, – it's kind of similar. Orlando has changed in the last – I would say even the last 10 years. The creative community has like 
blossomed. It just exploded, really. It's more than blossomed um, mm. in, in a way that I didn't even expect it to with like, we have rifle down here. We have mama sauce down here. We have real thread. We have, um, not to mention like Disney and universal and and all the other smaller lure design and push and say it loud. So all those places are doing incredible work. Um, which I think we're getting noticed for our creative community now. And, it's not just AIGA doing this kind of work now. Other groups have popped up, whether it's tech UI UX groups and things like mm-hmm. that. But I think there is a hunger to to join, not not only not even to join, but to to like meet like minded people and talk about things as opposed to just working on your on your own and your own little vacuum. So I think that's why Giant has been successful. That's why Creative Mornings and AIGA Orlando and all the other um, groups here in town have kind of blown up just because there is that hunger and there's so many of us. And sometimes it's hard to identify somebody who's doing work, amazing work, or, 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 you know, it's hard to kind of like find out who those people are. Everybody works in a vacuum. So slowly but surely people are coming out and kind of um, meeting each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, you know, since, since we've talked, talked about Creative Mornings a couple of times, let's let, let's dive into that for a second. And first, fill everybody in on what Creative Morning is, because it's, you know, it's it's not as widespread as, say, AIGA or things like that, but it is growing. It's definitely growing. Um, Creative Morning started in in New York and it's exploded. I want to say it's it's without looking at the website. I think we're up to like close to 200 chapters Um Globally, and it started by um, by Tina Roth Eisenberg, not Eisenberg, um, Eisenman, um, up in New York, and it is a breakfast morning. It's, it's a breakfast, a free breakfast talk, and what mm-hmm. we do is each each month we have a um, a theme, a global theme, whether it's um, compassion or you know death is one that's coming up or or something like that or 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 fun or you know some sort of global theme that each chapter globally has to find a speaker to speak about that theme and it's 30 minutes it's fairly short um compared to other other kinds of talks and there's a q Q a at the end and we have um we have we we gather the speakers from around town and um, to speak to that so it's we we meet once a month we put out the call for like, hey, this is happening. It's usually the last Friday of the month. So we put out the, the registration opens the Monday before. So it's usually like just that week that, that people have to register. And it's usually mm-hmm. sold out by sometimes by that Monday afternoon, by that Tuesday morning or whatever. So they sell out pretty quickly. You know, it's small groups. Sure. You know, sometimes we get uh, 50 people. Sometimes we get close to a hundred. I know that there are some, some chapters around, around the world that get several hundred people coming out every month. Um, but yeah, so we, we've had a lot of great speakers and sometimes it could be somebody showing or talking about their work. Like one of our speakers, um, was Clark Orr. So Clark spoke about Mm -hmm. his trajectory. I know you've had him on. Um, he spoke about his work and what led him to um to do what he does and he spoke about i forgot what his theme was but it had something to do with um how his his dad who's an amazing sign painter and artist in his own right um um, encouraged him and influenced him to be the artist and the designer that clark is now so Mm -hmm. we have that kind of direct designer speaker we even have 
in the past we've had Disney Imagineers or we've had um, artists and painters and that kind of thing, to someone who's just doing a um, solving an issue, a pretty heavy issue in a creative way. So we've had people come talk about how they're combating sex trafficking in Central Florida, which is like a very heavy issue, or yeah. trying to prevent suicides and that kind of thing. So it, it's it's when it says creative mornings, it's just creative thinking in general. It's not just here's my portfolio or here's my work. Um, so it's it's that kind of thing. Another speaker who I think you've had on your show is Justin Mazel, and we've had him mm -hmm. as well. And he spoke about it. He's, he was one of my favorite talks. I encourage everybody to go to the Creative Mornings Orlando website and see some of the videos of past speakers that we've had. Um, sure. But he's, he had a straight up message. So the, the interesting thing about Justin is Justin didn't particularly show his work, but his show was integrated in his talk. So it was that kind of thing. Um, but it, it's it's been a great roster of, of speakers and um, of of people who have come out and supported us and, and spoken. Gotcha. So, you know, when you're organizing this and, and, and events like this, or well, what is your role on in creative one? I guess I should back up and ask that first. So unlike, unlike, um, AIG Orlando, we don't have specific roles. Uh, okay. We have a team leader that's um, – his name is Chris Stevens, and he's from Maven, um, Maven um, here in town, and he's our team lead. But the rest of us just kind of help out with finding speakers, finding sponsors if we can, finding a venue, um, finding like who we would have – just getting the word out, trying to find new people out. So it's pretty much um, just kind of like a an open – open team in that sense. So there's not like, I, I wouldn't say like we, we have a, a title per se. Um, okay. So, yeah. So just to, just to kind of reiterate, um, it, I, I did get the name right. Her name's Tina Roth Eisenberg out of New York started. I was, I just want to make sure I get a shout out to, to Tina because she's <laughs> I knew awesome. the name was familiar when you said it the first yeah. time. Yeah, so. she does a Swiss Miss, um, but I just looked her up and I did get the, her name. I, I always get confused with her, her last name. I don't want to mess it up, but it's Tina Roth Eisenberg started Creative Mornings in New York and she's, she started something amazing. Awesome. So we're, we're getting close to our time here and I want to sure. be conscious of that. What, you know, what, what does the, the future, future hold for you and or I guess the immediate future? My immediate future is I have a lot of projects kind of like in the works and, and um, continuing to do freelance. Um, we're starting the new semester just tomorrow as of this recording. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but I, I guess I'll say it anyway. I'll, I'll be a creative self. No, you're fine to say. Okay. <laughs> Is By the that, time this goes up, we'll have released it anyway. So oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I'll be, <laughs> I hopefully, didn't, I didn't God, want Mike. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want Mike to be like, "Hey, you know, like get that email from Mike." Um, so I'll be doing. I'll be in Creative South this coming April of 2017. I'll be doing a workshop with Lenny Terenzi from Hey Monkey Design in Raleigh, and um, that should be a really, really fun, fun uh, workshop. Um, What's that workshop going to be on? Well. I knew you were going to ask me that. So I, I, was, I was trying to find a specific answer for, for you without giving too much away and without like really having um, everything in Iron Out. But we are going to be um, talking a lot about the process of design, um, how sketchbooks and sketching kind of leads to final, 
final work or final ideas and even leads to passion projects and things like that. So we're going to be bringing in our sketchbooks. We're going to bring in our, our, um, our processes and our markers and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about how to lead that into like final pieces, whether it's screen prints or books or whatever else that you might want to do. And, you know, some, some awesomeness with, with Lenny. Lenny's a cool guy. Awesome. Well, I may have to sneak in the back of the room. Please do. Please do. <laughs> so that's. I'll, I'll have to see when everything else is scheduled, but I'll, I'll definitely sneak in. Right. <laughs> that, the perks of being on staff. Oh, right. <laughs> you can just kind of like float from one to the other. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's the immediate plans. We have, I have a couple things that I'm working on that I'm going to be launching and showing little by little. I, I've been doing these. Um, these, I, I just kind of put the first one on Instagram recently where, where I do these, these little heads made out of letters, those little cartoon heads. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. um, exploring those a little bit more as a passion project. So be on the lookout for that. I'm ca- calling it um, um, letter faces and type heads. Or type heads oh, and letter yeah, faces. Yeah, I saw the A that you posted. Yeah, that's the A. So I'll, I'll I'll have B on Tuesday. So every Tuesday I'll I'll, I'll be um, putting another one out. So that's coming out of uh, my sketchbooks as well. So it's you know little passion projects plus some freelance and some other things that I have going on that I can't quite share yet. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be you know soon. Awesome. So, so where can people find you online? So my social media, I'm mostly on Twitter, Instagram, and Dribble at Vic Davila or Vic Davila. Uh, depends how you want to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, my website is victordavila.com. Um, so those are the main things. And you can email me at victor at victordavila.com um, or just fill out the form on my website. And that should be those. Awesome. And we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes so people can find it easier. Oh, awesome. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Victor, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to uh, to talk with me. I appreciate it. Jason, this was amazing. I appreciate the invite and um, I look forward to it and I look forward to seeing you in April. Yeah, me too. So we end every episode by saying go out and hug some necks. Um, you've been to Creative South. You kind of know what that means. If you go out, make friends, don't be a stranger. Uh, would you mind taking us out by saying that? Uh, go out and hug some necks. Do it. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good day. You can find out more about Victor on Twitter at Victavila. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code Creative South. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south and if you like the creative south podcast head over to itunes stitcher or google play music rate us and leave a review this helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests now go out and hug some necks